Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Richard Harris. Hello, everybody. I'm Richard Harris, and this is the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. I am so glad that you are joining us today. We have a really special program uh, lined up for you in today's show, and I'm going to tell you more about our special guest here in just a minute. Uh, before we get into that, though, I did want to remind you today, uh, our show is a live call-in show, so please feel free to call in. You can ask any question you want about uh, what we're, the, the subjects we're talking about or any Bible question or a question about politics that may be on your mind or heart today. You know, I tell people that truth and liberty is about more than politics. In fact, it's not really about politics. We're about the Great Commission. What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus said uh, He commanded His disciples to go and teach all nations to observe all things whatsoever He's commanded. And so we're about making disciples of nations, and that's bringing truth to bear on the issues of our day and uh, 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 educating and, and mobilizing the body of Christ to be those vessels of light uh, in our country and in our world. So, um, hey, listen, we've got some great stuff coming up here at Andrew Womack Ministries. Uh, we just concluded the annual ministers conference. It was incredible. What an event that was uh, all week long with powerful teaching and encouragement from the Word of God. It was really well attended too. I don't know what the final count was, but there were, um, there were thousands of people here. We've got a couple other events coming up in November that you definitely want to know about. And ladies, uh, we've had the men's advance right in March. Now it's your turn. In November, we have the annual Women Arise Conference. That's November 2nd through the 4th at Karis Bible College. Uh, the speakers this year are going to be Carrie Pickett, uh, Audrey Mack, and Elizabeth Murin. So Carrie Pickett is uh, the uh, Vice President of World Outreach here at Karis and is an incredible teacher. She's got her own Bible teaching program and uh, you won't want to miss her. Audrey Mack, who is a dear friend and one of the best preachers I've ever seen, uh, male or female regardless. She is awesome. And then Elizabeth Murin, who is uh, just got uh, the biggest heart for people you've ever seen. She uh, writes and directs along with her husband, Robert, the uh, Broadway quality musicals here at the ministry. Uh, including her most recent production called Overturned, which commemorates and tells the story of the overturn of Roe versus Wade. It is a powerful, powerful drama. But Elizabeth's going to be speaking at Women Arise November 2nd through the 4th. So ladies, you don't want to miss that. Sign up for this free conference at awmi.net today. Also, November 9th through the 11th, Andrew will be hosting uh, the Atlanta Gospel Truth Conference uh, at the uh, Gas South Convention Center in the Atlanta area. So you won't want to miss that as he's going to be ministering along with Greg Fritz, another renowned Bible teacher. So register for that event at awmi.net as well. And I wanted to just uh, ask you guys today, uh, are you a Truth and Liberty member? If you're not, would you consider becoming one? Just for $5 recurring gift per month, annual recur or automatic recurring, not annual, 
automatic recurring per month for $5 or more, you will become a Truth and Liberty member. And your contribution uh, will help us to stand for truth in the public square, and you'll be, be making a powerful difference. Just go on our website if you'd like to become a member today. All right, folks, where our very special guest today is my new friend, Melissa Ike. And Melissa is the co-founder and director of communications and development for Dragonfly Home, the Dragonfly Home. The Dragonfly Home is a nonprofit located in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, uh, that's state certified to serve victims of uh, both sexual and labor human trafficking. And uh, many of you have heard about this issue in the news in recent months. Uh, this is a growing problem in America and around the world, human trafficking. And uh, Melissa is passionate about this subject. She serves on the advisory council for the Oklahoma Commission on the Status of Women. Uh, she also is a lawyer and is just a, a subject matter expert in this field. So it's my great honor to have Melissa uh, joining us today. Melissa, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Melissa, um, uh, this subject is a difficult one to talk about, uh, but I, I feel that if, if we don't dive into this and talk about it, uh, that there's no way for us to begin to address the problem. But let's just start off by talking about human trafficking in general terms, if we could. I think, you know, a lot of times when people think of human trafficking, we're thinking of a probably a minor, maybe a minor child being abducted and shipped off somewhere shackled in a or, or, or imprisoned in some way and and traumatized uh, victimized and abused sexually now certainly that does occur right uh, but but is the problem bigger than just uh, not that that's a small problem but is the problem actually bigger than that absolutely so thank you so much for mentioning that we have we come into uh when i first started getting involved in anti-trafficking effort 10 years ago that's what i thought too i didn't even know it happened in the united states and i had this really specific image of what it was and what i've learned since is this affects um people men and women um it, it affects people of all age groups we've served people as young as 15 per our certification up to ages like 80. You would be surprised at the people who are exploited because it's about control over people. It is about exploiting a human being's vulnerabilities. They find themselves in any kind of vulnerable situation. You can name it. A trafficker is an expert in knowing how to manipulate them and gain control over them by exploiting that vulnerable situation, selling that person, and it's just to line their own pockets. It's really greed that wow. drives this and demand. Um, I think one of the hardest pills to swallow when we're talking about a topic like this is there's demand in our country. Um, our neighbors, people that we work with, people we go to church with, doctors, judges, teachers, coaches, in every state. If you look at news articles about who's arrested for this kind of thing, yeah, it's it's people that we could very well know. And so where there is demand, someone is going to supply that demand. You know, you make a good point there. I saw a news article last week or uh, uh, just a few days ago of a, a large bust that occurred in the state of Florida. Mm -hmm. And the article was mentioning um, uh, some of the different types of people that were arrested. And it mentioned a local high school coach of some yeah. kind uh, who was, I think, a, uh, I think he was a consumer or a client, if you will. I don't think he was 
trafficking others. But right. even still, uh, to think about that um, is is kind of, is pretty unsettling. Well, so yeah. Melissa, tell us about um, Dragonfly. What do you guys do? And tell us about your ministry and how you help victims of this terrible, um, terrible thing called human trafficking. Dragonfly uh, was founded in March of 2016. I was uh, it was myself and my two fellow co-founders. Um, we had been working in anti-trafficking efforts for several years and felt called to just really serve locally. Um, and so we we got state certification from the Oklahoma Office of the Attorney General and opened the state's first certified human trafficking crisis center. We specifically decided to make it a non-residential program. Most people assume that if someone comes out of trafficking, they need a shelter. But really about maybe half or less of the people that we've served have needed a shelter situation. They might have a safe place to live. They might not want to be in a shelter situation that's not for them. Um, and also they might not qualify. Men and um, children don't qualify for shelter services very often or victims of labor trafficking. But by being non-residential, we could serve anyone ages 15 and up who'd experienced a form of trafficking. And um, that looks like pretty much anything someone needs. And so if that is basic necessities, food, clothing, um, you know, that first, those first moments coming out of a trafficking situation, they can take a shower, they can get a fresh set of clothes. And then it goes beyond that, right? Like a Maslow's hierarchy of human needs, right? So we get basic needs met and then it's medical care, um, safe housing, it's uh, trauma-focused therapy has been life-changing for people, getting them to whatever stability looks like for them, and then moving on. What does life look like then? Um, and so we've helped people who have um, finished high school, enrolled in college, joined the military, gotten professional certifications, mm -hmm. um, gone on to get married, have their own children. They come to know the Lord. Um, and, and so it's really, it's really vast and it, it's just such a small nonprofit. Um, and so then a few years ago, we also opened a transition home, which is certified for women who've experienced sex or labor trafficking and their children. And that's for people who've reached stability and are really ready to start pursuing goals. And we had our first graduate recently who loved her budgeting class and loved learning what it looked like like no one had ever taught her, how do you have your own apartment? And mm. so now she's in her own place for the first time. She has her own dog. She learned how to cook and do laundry for the first time in her life. And now she's, you know, I say she's on her own, but she has total access to our services still. So you just kind of, it's a continuum of care, really. Wow. And so do you have, do you have a focus in your organization of bringing people into saving relationship with Jesus Christ? Is it a Christian ministry? We decided, okay, so when we founded, we decided not to designate ourselves as a religious ministry for a couple of reasons. Um, one, many of the people that we have served have been hurt by church leaders, church elders, pastors, youth pastors, um, whether they've been trafficked by them or purchased. Um, so there's a lot of pain there. And we also want um, Dragonfly to be able, like we want people to be comfortable coming to us who are from other religions. Um, our view is we founded this, all three of us, 
out of a desire to be the hands and feet of Jesus and out of our faith. And so we just, we operate as best we can as human beings on this earth as Jesus would. And we create a space for the Lord to work. People come to our place and they step in and they say, like they feel the difference. They feel peace. That is not a word that you hear that often. The peace of God is so specific and so powerful that so many people come in and they say, oh, I feel like a peace for the first time. Like I'm just, I get goosebumps just telling you about it. So by creating that space, people say, then people ask questions. Why do you do this? Uh, why would you do this for people? And they invite that conversation. And then we see people who come to know the Lord that way. Mm. And when you have opportunity, do you present the gospel to the folks that are seeking help? Um, you know what? I don't work in direct care very often. And so I haven't been a part of every single one of those conversations. Mm. Um, so I guess I can't say, f I don't know. I, I don't know if they're well, leading them down like the Roman road necessarily um, every single time. What, I, what I've heard from our people who are in direct care is it's about one conversation and then another conversation and another conversation. And then someone says, uh, could I go to church? What about mm -hmm. like a Bible study? And then mm -hmm. we're connecting them that way. So um, tell me that what, the, what you referred to something earlier called labor trafficking. Can you help mm -hmm. our viewers understand what that is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm so glad to have the opportunity to talk about this. We think about sex trafficking most often with human trafficking, but labor trafficking is prevalent here. And so this involves exploiting someone through physical labor. And so here in Oklahoma, for example, there's a lot of labor trafficking people who are um, in domestic servitude. So like a personal housemaid um, in the hotel restaurant industry in construction and especially agriculture, um, like, in, like recently, uh, marijuana grows became legally permitted in Oklahoma. And there's um, a lot of suspected labor trafficking happening there. So these are people who like they're working grueling hours. They're living in filthy conditions, crammed into trailers. There's no safety. There's no food. There's no water, no running water. It's unsanitary. Um, some maybe I talk, I talk about this stuff so often. And so if I need to ever lighten it up a little bit, let me know, because this is my norm at this point. But just quite frankly, um, people we've served will be labor trafficked all day. And then sometimes men, but especially women are then sex trafficked all night long. If not sex trafficked, then sexually assaulted as a part of labor trafficking. So it's just the most miserable, hopeless conditions ever. Um, and that is really hard to detect. And um, and so we've served a number of people that, who've experienced that. We'll, we'll talk a, a little bit, if you would, Melissa, about, um, and talk a little bit more specifically about how these people are controlled and enslaved and forced into this kind of existence. Yeah. So traffickers um, are really experts in spotting vulnerability. Traffickers actually write and publish manuals for each other. Um, and anyway, I've read through some of them as much as I'm able to stomach. 
And they say things like, you can spot desperation from a mile away. And through a few words of conversation and observation, determine what that person's vulnerability is. So that might be someone who doesn't have a home. It might be somebody who doesn't speak English. It might be some um, someone who has really low self-esteem and you can just tell that they don't think they're worth anything. Um, I mean, so many, so many vulnerabilities, right? So a trafficker can, so, you know, sometimes there's, there's force involved, um, but more and more reports that we're hearing from law enforcement are exactly what you were mentioning earlier. Um, it's not about someone being kidnapped off the street. That's really messy. It's way easier to build even a fraction of a relationship with someone, offer them something and create a sort of debt with them. So um, I offered you a safe place to sleep tonight and now you owe me and you better do what I say. Um, I love you. And so um, I've been so nice to you and bought you all of these gifts and you owe me. Or I love you. Will you not help me build a future for us and, and build a family and create something together by letting me sell you? I mean, those are some of the most common situations we've heard. Wow. So, so there are cases of, I mean, they do threaten with violence. Uh, am Absolutely. I wrong? Uh, okay. Yes. Uh -huh. yeah. That's not always though, like the first step. So you, it's what we usually hear is they've gained control over someone through relationship or like a false job offer or something like that. And then they flip the switch and now it's violence and um, using tactics that are very common for like all kinds of abuse, um, mentally and psychologically gaining control over someone. You also mentioned earlier this image people have of like someone kind of tied up, chained, handcuffed to a bed and that can happen and that might be more common in other countries, other parts of the world, but here it's about a psychological prison. So someone comes out and they think that person is ever present that that person knows what they're doing. And honestly, they're probably being surveilled, you know, as they're um, going out and meeting like a client or if they're in labor trafficking. Um, but it's more like this person, I have to do what they say. And so Does someone, the, oh yeah, go ahead. No, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Does the, so um, I don't know if you call them a pimp or uh, on the sex trafficking side or what you call them on the labor trafficking side, but either way, the person who's trafficking the victim, mm -hmm. do they gain control of that person's finances completely? Very often. So we have, and I would just call them all traffickers. Um, some people, yeah. Um, oh yeah, I was thinking about sex purchasers instead of calling them Johns, but this is a different word that we're addressing. I just call them all traffickers. Yeah, okay. that's a very good point. So gaining control over someone's social security number, all of their identification documents. So someone comes out, they don't have a social security card. They don't have a driver's license, but they're supposed to just go out and get a job and just be fine now. Mm -hmm. You know, exiting human trafficking is difficult to do. And if someone does, it doesn't mean that their situation is just fine. They're so because of exactly what you're saying, but people's taxes will be messed up sometimes because of what a trafficker has done. So they have so much to dig out of and so many barriers to moving forward. And then that's the kind of stuff that we help them with at Dragonfly. So actually, um women are victims of trafficking, but so are uh, children and even sometimes men. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, and, for sure. 
Do you have any idea on uh, how big the problem is, Melissa? Like, uh, how many people, I know that you, you've said before that there are, um, it's difficult to get reliable statistics, and, mm -hmm. but I'm not gonna hold you to it. I just wanna know, like, what's the, what's the estimate on how many people in America are victims of this uh, terrible yeah. trade? You know, I have seen different estimates, but I don't know what they're including in terms of trafficking. Mm -hmm. I, I honestly, I don't have a number for you. And that it, when I see an estimate like that, I'm immediately suspicious of it. Mm. Like how do they get that number? What types of trafficking are they including? What is the geographical area? Um, in fact, uh, something that Oklahoma has done recently uh, to address this problem in the last couple of years, the legislature passed um, laws to support the study of human trafficking because they recognize within the state, everyone's asking us how many people here are being trafficked? And we're like, well, no one knows. And that's what everybody involved in this says. So um, I am hopeful that there will be good studies that are going to be coming out with more of this statistical data. All I can share really is like Dragonfly's service numbers. Yeah. Well, let's get to that in just a minute. I want to remind our viewers, you're watching The Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. I'm Richard Harris. My guest today is Melissa Ike, who is the Director of Communications at a really fabulous nonprofit called The Dragonfly Home in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, that serves and helps people who have been victimized by human trafficking. And if you've got questions for Melissa or, or for me or Bible questions or uh, concerns about human trafficking, please feel free to call our, our live call-in number. It's 719-619-2341. I also wanted to remind everybody, our viewers, uh, that if you're in need of prayer today and you want someone to agree with you, please feel free to call in to Andrew's 24-7-365 uh, prayer line, and that's 719-635-1111. Uh, Andrew has dozens of uh, Word of God trained, spirit-filled uh, prayer ministers standing by to agree with you in prayer. So take advantage of that today. So Melissa, okay, so you guys guys are just one little outpost out there in the world that's fighting uh, to help people victimized by human trafficking. What are your numbers then? If we can't talk global, just what's this little place in Oklahoma City doing? Okay, so our little place in Oklahoma City that's been around for about seven years, we've served over 900 victim survivors of trafficking, sex and labor trafficking in less than seven years. Mm -hmm. And that include oh that does not include also family members and children like children of victims that we have served and mm -hmm. now we have this new transition home open and as that gains ground those numbers are going to go up and then I would also point out we have a 24-hour human trafficking helpline and um, gosh in July I got the most recent update on that on the number of calls it was over 9,000 in less than seven years to our specific hotline. So in the seven years, by the end of this year, we're definitely going to breach 10,000 calls. Now that that helpline, now you guys are based in Oklahoma, but you're, you get calls from all over America, you told me That's before right. we went live. So do we have mm -hmm. that number? Can we put that up? I don't know if our, uh, our uh, guys in our studio it. have that, but yeah. if we have the, the number, the hotline or helpline for sex trafficking. Yeah, go ahead and give us that. Um, so Melissa. area code, area code four zero five, two Okay. All right, guys. So, um, if you have, uh, if you're watching today and you need 
you need help or you know someone who needs sure. help, you have questions, maybe you're in a position where you can get information to someone that uh, that's in need of help, uh, call that number at 405-212-3377 and uh, Dragonfly will help you. Also, I wanted to put up your website again. Uh, mm -hmm. If our guys in the studio could do that, it's, uh, yeah, there it is, Drag the Dragonfly Home. Dot org. Now, I've been on the site, <clears throat> and um, there's some really great information on there. If you go to the trafficking tab and click it, you're going to be able to go and look and, and find all kinds of helpful research on there that will explain this problem, the different kinds of, of uh, trafficking, and what makes people vulnerable, what are warning signs, and all this sort of stuff. We're going to continue talking about some of these things here on the show with Melissa, but I just wanted to alert our viewers to that. Please check out that website today. So, um, <clears throat> uh, so really, Melissa, is it, is it accurate to say that human trafficking is really a modern form of slavery? Yeah, you know, in, in other parts of the world, like the United Kingdom, that's really what they call it. They don't use the term human trafficking so much. They say modern slavery. Um, and you'll see that all throughout Europe. And, and what they mean is human trafficking. So it looks different than like a transatlantic slave trade. But yeah, it's, it's control over people. It is a complete deprivation of physical, psychological, definitely spiritual freedom. Hmm. And, uh, you know, there was a movie that came out over the summer called Sound of Freedom. And I think it's brought a lot of awareness, certainly among the Christian community, to human trafficking. It was focused mainly on human tra or international trafficking, especially of minors. Um, but there are lots of women. I just want people to understand this. There are women and children right here in the United States that get sexually trafficked every day. Is that is that right, Melissa? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I'm not minimizing the international uh, component of this, but um, people who are concerned about this, where can they go to learn more or to get involved? So a few resources that I recommend are uh, the Polaris Project. Uh, that is a, an excellent database of all kinds of human trafficking knowledge, and they will discuss domestic, international, different types of trafficking, um, different situations that traffickers exploit. It's a wealth of information. And um, if you are interested specifically in what's technically called domestic minor sex trafficking, child sex trafficking, I suggest you go to Shared Hope International. They have a database where they give sort of a letter grade to each state about like how, you know, the, the state of their laws essentially and um, how their laws benefit or are a disadvantage for human trafficking. Um, I would recommend the dragonflyhome.org. Thank you for mentioning it. We work really hard to bring good, accurate information about what trafficking looks like here in the U.S. And then um, there is a, a national human trafficking hotline and their website is excellent as well. Each of those websites has a different, you know, uh, specific focus. You don't happen to know that national help uh, helpline, do you? Oh, yes, I do. It is. Oh, boy. You're really, I feel like I'm, I, I'm sorry. That wasn't fair. <laughs> OK. Put you on the spot. Um, <laughs> it's a 888 Three seven three seven eight eight eight. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And so, like for example, Dragonfly. Oh, that's so weird. It, okay. Yeah, I'll, I guess it's from memory. Okay. Yeah, it is a strange uh, format. But so uh, people will call with issues in Oklahoma, the national hotline, and we'll get referrals from that organization. 
Okay. Well, um, so we've got a we've got a break coming up here in just about a minute, Melissa. But before we get to that, um, I wanted to ask you um, a little bit more about the labor trafficking. Um, so, so this is the same kind of thing uh, as sex trafficking, except uh, that they're finding vulnerable people, getting control of them, and then putting them to work. Okay. Uh, in, in, and I, I'm assuming that these jobs aren't your regular nine to five office jobs and uh, that sort of thing. This is gonna be probably mostly agricultural or whatever, where Physical their labor, labor can go undetected. Is that, mm -hmm. is that pretty much true? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, they are um, worked to the bone with unsanitary, unsafe um, conditions. They're often told like, uh, we're going to give you this much money, but first you owe us for all this room and board, which is basically nothing. Um, but then they kind of add to that debt every day and really create mm -hmm. a debt bondage situation. And yeah, this is the most grueling physical labor um, with no medical care, no, no safety. Wow. Well, we're, we're up against our first break now, so I'm, we're going to take about 90 seconds, you guys, and share some information with you. We'll be right back after that with our special guest, Melissa Ike. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. You were created with a purpose, written in the heart of God. Long before you were born, He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Hi, everybody. We're back here on the Truth and Liberty live call-in show. I'm Richard Harris. My guest is Melissa Ike, who is the uh, pr uh, Director of Communications, I think is your title, right, Melissa, at the Dragonfly Home located in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And the Dragonfly Home uh, ministers to victims of human trafficking. We've been talking about lots of different subjects on today's show, and uh, we're going to dive right back into that now. Before we do, just wanted to remind everybody about our call-in number, uh, the Lines are open here on Truth and Liberty, 719-619-2341. Now, Melissa, we were talking a little bit about this thing called labor trafficking, which honestly, I haven't heard a lot about that before. Uh, I'm guessing that the this labor trafficking is connected to probably less than legitimate business operations. Like you mentioned, marijuana grows, other things like that, where you don't necessarily... Um, uh, you know, it's just not a, engaged with the public in a, in a, you know, direct customer service relationship kind of thing. They, they have workers who can be concealed uh, from the public eye. Can you tell us more about that? Is labor trafficking connected to 
um, sort of illegitimate uh, business operations? It's really both. Um, yes, so agricultural growth out in the middle of nowhere are an ideal situation where they can really conceal what's going on. But there have been labor trafficking situations um, that happen at, that it really can be public facing sometimes. Um, so we see a lot of people who are in like the hotel restaurant industry and they're in a trafficking situation, construction. So driving by a construction build any day and the people working might be legitimate employees and they might be victims of human trafficking. There was a case in Oklahoma City a few years ago of a well-known bed and breakfast in Norman, Oklahoma, where the University of Oklahoma is. And um, there was, I, I don't think any um, convictions were ever, I don't even know if charges were ever pressed, but there was an investigation because there was a, an American employee who noticed that one of the employees was poorly treated and did some digging and realized this person wasn't being paid. And but she was seen by customers. Um, yeah, so it really it really can run the gamut. The interesting and fascinating thing about traffickers is the the gall, right? The uh, absolute certainty that they're not going to be caught. Um, and 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 if it was sex traffickers, especially, they create a way for the victims to take the fall and. They like kind of make it so that they they're like uh, completely disconnected from it. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. So um, the the is there a specific crime on the books for human trafficking in Oklahoma or anywhere? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep, there is. So yeah, there's the federal law, the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, and then yep, um, in the state of Oklahoma, sex trafficking and labor trafficking are both illegal. So, so we kind of explored that a little bit um, on the connection between this terrible thing and other problems um, that are being allowed to fester in our country. Uh, one being, uh, like you mentioned, marijuana grows. I want to know uh, as well, Melissa, if you see any connection between um, our are people that are brought to the United States illegally. We've heard about the mules bringing people over the border uh, for purposes of, of uh, you know, illicit labor and illicit, you know, sex trade and stuff like that. Are you seeing that in Oklahoma, that some of the victims, uh, the sex trafficking victims are actually um, from other countries and illegal immigrants? Sometimes. Um, something that we're careful when we're out speaking and raising awareness of human trafficking that we're um, uh, careful to distinguish between is smuggling someone in versus um, versus trafficking, right? Because smuggling is a crime against a nation's border, bringing people in illegally. And then some people kind of conflate the two and they kind of think that they always go hand in hand. Someone is smuggled into the country illegally. It definitely makes them vulnerable to a trafficking situation. And we have served people that that's been their experience. We have also served more people, if they're from other countries, who have been brought to this country legally on legal visas. Mm -hmm. So they get recruited through some work program. Some of them are highly skilled in their home countries and they get recruited. They're like, oh, this is a great opportunity. I can go to the, to the United States and get money and send it home. And oh, these materials and these flashy people say, I'll be doing you know, what I'm educated for and what I'm trained to do. And then, sorry, they get here and then um, traffickers purposely violate the terms of the legal visa they're on and now they're here illegally 
And now they so, hold that over their heads. Yeah, so traffickers will set up a, a sham a business That's opportunity right. and yep. get women to come to the United States legally men, to be a part yep. of that. And, yep. then, and then it's a bait and switch once they get here. They have no way to get out, no way to get home, and they use That's them right. as victims of sex and labor trafficking. Am I understanding That's that right? right? Okay. Yes. Well, there's one other connection that I want to make, um, and we talked a little bit about this before the show, um, but that has to do with the abortion trade and the abortion industry. Um, so. Um, I know that, that data is hard to come by, uh, Melissa, but, but you, you said a lot of times, or, or it's not uncommon for you to have people coming into your uh, facility that want your help who are actually pregnant or maybe really pregnant and so on, and that there is a problem with forced abortions. Can you comment on that? Yeah. So it is one thing that we've seen is that people don't always make the connection between someone being sex trafficked and then, you know, getting pregnant from that. And that is not uncommon. We've helped numerous women who come to us pregnant and, you know, depending on what stage they're in, and we're able to make sure that they have safe conditions to give birth, that they have what they need, that they have, you know, prenatal care, postnatal care, that their children are taken care of. And then also, um, whatever other services they could use after, you know, for recovering from sex trafficking. Um, and then there are definitely reports, you know, um, trafficking is cruel. Traffickers are cruel. And whatever is going to work out best for their business, if a woman is pregnant, whatever is best for them to continue to make money, you know, if, if it, if that person having a child, makes it so that, that they can use that child to control that person. Imagine what how you could control a mother by threatening her baby, right? Mm -hmm. um, but if forcing them to have an abortion is the best way for that trafficker to continue to make money, then that's what they will do as well. And we're not talking about safe, a safe abortion in a medical facility. It's sometimes it makes it so that person can't ever have children again. So um, what is the government doing? Uh, you know, first, obviously you're in Oklahoma. It sounds like Oklahoma's got some pretty good mm -hmm. laws, but what about around the country? What are governments doing and, and uh, what should they be doing about this issue? Well, um, I really am most familiar with Oklahoma, but um, one, one thing I wanted to tell you about that I think that um, your viewers will find interesting is that um, just this year, there was a law that went into place in Oklahoma, which makes sex purchasing a felony. Mm -hmm. You know, it used to be sex purchasing was just a slap on the wrist. The person who bore the brunt of that was the trafficking victim, not the not the trafficker and not the sex purchaser. And so um, that was a law that was passed in Texas um, somewhat recently that was shown to reduce demand. Because people do not want a felony conviction. Suddenly it's not so worth it right, to um, exploit that person. So that went into effect in July here. Um, so we really applauded that. Um, another thing that um, Oklahoma is doing that I think could be replicated throughout the country is one, um, funding prevention efforts. I'm on the Oklahoma Commission on the Status of Women, um, specifically on their Human Trafficking Committee. And we received funding to raise awareness of trafficking in rural areas specifically about, you know, to like high school students and college students. 
um, funding for research on trafficking data, and then funding for places like Dragonfly. Um, it, this is the first year that we received uh, any form of state funding. We have some federal funding um, that is provided through like funds for victims of crime. So they're funded by perpetrators of crimes. Um, but that fund, it, you know, it varies each year. And some funding from like the Violence Against Women Act, but we take so many resources to do what we do. And so mm -hmm. that funding would be enormously helpful. So um, what can law enforcement do uh, to help with the, the trafficking problem? Yeah, we are partners with uh, law enforcement on every level here, um, federal, state, and local. And so, and I've also been doing this for about 10 years. And so it's been interesting to see how it has grown. Um, we're seeing more law enforcement who, they just, they just need to know what trafficking is. Um, it's very messy. Trafficking can be difficult to assess on the surface. So at least knowing that trafficking is a possibility when they're going into a situation and then bringing in people like us, pre people who are experts on this to do a full assessment for trafficking is huge because instead of somebody getting a criminal charge for prostitution or another crime, which just increases the barriers for them getting out, we can prevent additional criminal charges that then need to be expunged in the future. Um, and then also just the dignity of not seeing someone as a criminal, but as someone who needs help, like that's that's enormously, uh, that's a huge, that's a game changer for someone. You know, I think, uh, I think our image of uh, prostitution in this country from movies and TV shows and things like that may not be accurate, right? I think a lot of times movies portray prostitutes as like willing participants in the trade that they almost like they enjoy doing it or something. That, uh, from what you're telling me, that sounds like uh, that it's pretty far from the truth. Um, and, and, and we need to see uh, people that are trapped in that business as victims uh, rather than criminals. Um, uh, am I right on that? I absolutely agree. Um, there are some people who say that they participate in that willingly, and I, I don't know their story. Um, but from our standpoint, like this, the sex industry is harmful. And um, I would just advise people to not assume that you know what's going on. You don't know what's going on beneath the surface. Structures are in place to prevent you from knowing what's on the surface. Like traffickers create those structures. And I would say, if somebody really truly is engaging in prostitution independently and they've never been sex trafficked, what led them to that decision? Mm -hmm. And can we not, in the name of Jesus, offer them compassion too? Who are yeah. we to say we're somehow above someone? What would we have done if we were in that same situation? Mm -hmm. So I really look to the body of Christ to examine our view of this, ask for wisdom. We know that when we ask for wisdom, God will give us wisdom abundantly. And, and just, just really soften our hearts toward people around us going through hard situations. So um, here's another, I, I don't know why I'm so curious about all these connection points, but, um, but, but I think here's another one is, 
In, in America, we have an epidemic of pornography. Um, uh, online porn and other types uh, is just so accessible and everywhere, and it's a billion-dollar business. Um, is that also connected to a rise in human trafficking? Is that part of the financial equation for these traffickers, that they can make money not just by actual sexual activity that they're selling, but also um, uh, exploiting these women in, in the porn business? Yeah, there are a few ways that the pornography industry impacts sex trafficking. Um, first of all, um, it is, depending on you know the state, it really can be a form of sex trafficking. If someone is using force, fraud, or coercion and making somebody perform sex acts, and then they're receiving money, there's a, an exchange of money for that, that can fall within the definition of sex trafficking. Pornography is also an entry point that traffickers will use to break down someone's um, own personal boundaries and barriers, a way to gain sort of a false trust um, and gradually get somebody where they are, where it becomes more and more their new normal to engage in activities like that as a way, as kind of like a, a pipeline to get them into trafficking. Another way is, um, so purchasers, our users of pornography uh, need to know that the person that they are viewing might not be there willingly. There have been some studies, um, I'm sorry that I can't cite them specifically, but I have seen reports that when pornography users realize that this person on the screen who is a stranger might actually be forced to do that, that can be a demand reduction point. Um, and then finally, people who use pornography and then wish to replicate whatever they've seen may turn to someone who is being sex trafficked as a way to achieve that goal. Mm. Wow, that's really amazing. So uh, in, a, in a totally disgusting way, but so people um, who are consuming porn uh, are are likely to be facilitating, enabling, and participating in the victimization of these women. Is that is that the strong right? possibility? Yeah, yeah. So so guys, you're watching here, Truth and Liberty live call-in show. I'm Richard Harrison. My guest today is Melissa Ike, who's the uh, director of communications at the Dragonfly Home in Oklahoma, and she uh, they they minister to victims of of human trafficking, both labor trafficking and sex trafficking. And this is not a very fun subject to talk about, and not uh, you know it's a little unsettling. But I think that we, uh, especially in the church, but really all Americans, uh, we've got to come to grips with this. Um, you know, this is. Uh, is not something that just arrived uh, on our doorstep by accident. Uh, it's a deeper problem of a it's it's a problem, but there are even deeper causes of this problem in our culture. And you kind of hit on something there, uh, Melissa, that I wanted to ask you about before our show is over. So, which is what can churches do? What can Christians do who want to help in this field? Is there anything that a, that like a local church could really do to help in this area? Absolutely. And I'm glad that you mentioned, first of all, that this is a heavy and hard topic, because I always want to say that there is so much hope. We are hope people at Dragonfly, because we get to see the miraculous other side of the story, that someone's story doesn't end with being sex trafficked or labor trafficked, that when they can get specialized care, the resilience, the recovery, um, 
the complete turnaround. We just recently filmed a video featuring the voices of several of the people that we served and the strength um, that they exhibit is remarkable. So when you're talking about what churches and Christians can do so much um, and get angry about this and then get proactive about it. So I would say, number one, um, these websites that we discussed earlier, go and educate yourself. Don't educate yourself on Facebook um, because, yeah, there might be good information, but these myths and misconceptions about trafficking, they spread like wildfire on social media. So educate yourself with good information. Um, second, put those hotline numbers in your phone. If you think that you come across someone being trafficked, do not go and try and rescue someone yourself. The danger, it's not just about putting yourself in danger, you're putting that person in danger. If you don't know what you're doing and how to intervene, you could cost that person their life or suffering inordinate violence as a form of punishment um, if you approach. Call 911 if you think you see a trafficking situation. Um, but if you think that it, that there is someone that you can refer to help, have those numbers available. And then finally, raise money. I feel like there are a lot of people who are like, oh, I just don't wanna throw money at a problem. What it takes to help one single person who's experienced trafficking, it, it's an enormous amount of resources because you're talking about someone who comes with often absolutely nothing. They are below the poverty line and they need absolutely everything to emerge from this, gain stability, and then move on. Mm -hmm. So find out what, your, what organizations need and raise money or if they need items, do a drive. Like those things are fun. They're fun to do. You would do a fundraiser like on Facebook or do a drive at your church. I can tell you personally, not only do those, do those funds and those items help, but boy, do they lift us up. They mm -hmm. lift up the people we serve. And they're like, who's who are these people who care about us enough to do something? They don't even know me. And then it also really lifts our spirits. So are there other ministries like yours in other parts of the United States? So let's say I'm, I live in, uh, I don't know, um, Evanston, Illinois, and mm -hmm. I want to know, is there, a, is there a ministry for human trafficking in my area? How can I find that out? I would just do a Google search. Okay. Um, so I would search like human trafficking victim services, Evanston, Illinois, and see what comes up. There are also databases. So I believe the national human, tra I don't know how updated they are is the only thing. Um, uh, check the human trafficking hotline website. Um, I believe thorn.org has had a pretty up-to-date database. And then also I would recommend find out if your state has oversight, um, some kind of certification process for organizations like this, and then make sure that you're finding organizations who are following that those laws. It mm -hmm. is extraordinarily important for victims of trafficking to have people helping them who have someone watching what they're doing, not, you know what I mean? Like providing oversight, making sure that they're abiding by laws and upholding a standard of care. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit in the time we have left in this segment, Melissa, about um, how do I, uh, well, like what are the red flags, you know? Um, and uh, because I think some people are out there and they're like, well, 
how do I know or if someone is being trafficked or is there, if I spot someone, I have concerns, you know, what should I do? Um, before you answer that question, though, guys, this is the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. We'd love to hear from you today. So the phone lines are open at 719-619-2341. And uh, yeah, I've got a, uh, someone who sent in a question is asking, what should I do if I believe someone is a victim of human trafficking? What, uh, first off, though, before we answer that, what how, how do I know? What are the telltale signs? What are the red flags? Of course, the hard thing about this is that sometimes the signs are subtle and you're kind of taking a, it's a combination of a collection of signs and then kind of a gut instinct. So, you know, it also depends on the situation. Um, so, for example, if I'm driving down the street, sometimes I can just spot um, a person walking down the street or I can spot what looks to be a couple walking down the street. And after all of these years, there's an instinct. I'm like, oh, that looks like sex trafficking to me. And it's a sometimes it's as subtle as a posture, right? Um, a posture of control or a posture of the way someone is walking. If they if it's super cold outside and they are scantily clad like that doesn't make any sense. Okay, so it's like these different things that just don't make sense based on your norm, right? Um, and in fact, one time I spoke with a woman who works for the Department of Homeland Security, who's an expert in this, and um, we were speaking to airline workers, and she said, you know your norm. What does it look like in your in your airport where you're working? You can look at this mother and child and be like, oh yeah, dismiss it. And then this mother and child, something doesn't add up here. So in your neighborhood, in your church, um, let's say you've got kids and maybe your your child is friends with a child and something doesn't add up. Maybe, they're, maybe um, it could be as simple as why do they have all of these expensive gifts, all of these expensive clothes and purses and stuff that doesn't doesn't seem like that's something that their family mm. would buy for them. Hmm. Um, are they suddenly doing better, like way, way, way better in school, like almost so hyper-focused without any kind of explanation or really tapering off and doing poorly in school? Are they exhausted all the time? It's things like that. And so it's really the best way to, the best way is is to just pay attention and just not take for granted that everything is normal. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm a little bit uh, puzzled by a couple of the indicators you just mentioned there, okay. um, Melissa. One of them is if they have a lot of fancy or expensive mm -hmm. items. Another one is if they're doing really well in school. So yeah. I would have I would have gone the other way on that. Right. I would have thought if someone looks to be in you know uh, like like they're dirty and filthy and not taking yes. not clean or they have other things like I, or 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 maybe the child suddenly is not doing well in school. How how are the other, explain that a little bit further. Can you unpack that for us? Yeah, absolutely. The what you just mentioned is those could absolutely be red flags and indicators, absolutely. So it's a differentiation from the norm. So if some, all of a sudden somebody has super expensive gifts, um, where are they getting those gifts? Because a common tactic of traffickers to gain control over someone, to build a relationship of false trust is to shower them with gifts. They're trying to, you know, like, I'm gonna solve all your problems. I'm gonna make you feel good about yourself. There was a, a case in Oklahoma years ago um, 
where um, a young woman was at a mall with friends and she had on really ratty old shoes and she had this kind of like posture. She was kind of separate from her friends and a trafficker approached her and said, you're so beautiful. Why are you wearing those ratty shoes? And of course she's like, oh, you know, whatever she says, she indicates that she doesn't deserve anything better than that. It's like, I'm going to buy you new shoes. There you go. Then could be a week, a month of showering someone with gifts. I'm going to take you on a trip now, a fancy trip and make all of your dreams come true. We're going to get out of here and live our best lives. Now they've separated them from their families and now they have control over that person. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the doing better in school, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm, I'm understanding okay. what you're saying, okay. sorry. Okay, yeah. um, so performing better in school, I would have thought the same thing, that it's always gonna go the other direction, but we've served a number of people who, it's like a, it's like a, overcorrection that it's where they're trying to gain some form of control over something in their lives. Lots of times people are not even allowed to finish school, right? They're taken out of junior high, they're taken out of high school, but we'll have people who are being, who are attending school during the week and being sold at nights on the weekends, um, sometimes by a parent. And so that's incredibly covert. Who's gonna know about that, right? It's, but it's all about this differentiation from the norm. So let's say you know that a kid has been studying. They're like, I'm, I've decided I'm going to take control and I'm going to really turn my life around. And you're like, okay, I'm seeing the fruit of their efforts, right? But if suddenly there's no indication of that whatsoever, but they're hyper-focused, that differentiation from the norm is just what you have to pay attention to and dig deeper. Find mm -hmm. out why it's happening. Maybe they're getting tutoring. That'd be great. And if not, like what's going on beneath the surface? Well, uh, so we've got uh, just a few seconds left here before our next break. And uh, guys, we're with Melissa Ike, who's with uh, the Dragonfly Home in Oklahoma City. And uh, bringing, we're sh trying to shed some light on this massive problem of human trafficking, both sex trafficking, labor trafficking, both minors and adults, both men and women. It is bigger than we think, guys. Um, and uh, we've been talking about some of the uh, indicators or red flags that you might uh, encounter uh, in people that you know who could be victims of it. Um, and, and we're going to pick up uh, after this break. Be sure to call in with your questions, 719-619-2341. And I'm just uh, really learning a lot here with Melissa. So stay with us now. After this break, we'll be back in about 90 seconds. We've got to share some uh, important announcements with you. And then we'll be back after that. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. looking at this word as someday. We gotta look at it, it is for now. And the Spirit of God that created the universe, don't you think is big enough 
to teach you, to show you how to do things. See, it's when you say amen to the promises. This is mine. It's today. It's not 15 years from now. It's today. It's when you say amen that you start to glorify God. Love will give you the courage you need to do what you think you don't dare to do. Stop thinking that one day when I am super spiritual or when I have the money I need or no, start doing what he called you to do right now with the strength you have. So Father, we let your exceeding, immeasurable thought process, power and nature, we say yes to that today. Okay, guys, we're back here on Truth and Liberty, and my guest today is Melissa Ike with the Dragonfly Home in Oklahoma City, and it's been such an enlightening conversation here with her as we've been discussing the issue of human trafficking. Uh, really has reached epidemic proportions in the United States. Um, I think it's a business that is fueled in, in large part by the porn industry and the drug industry. Uh, Melissa, do you agree with me on the drug part? We've talked about porn a little bit. How does, how does drug, the drug trade uh, interact with human trafficking? Are they connected there as well? They can be, not all the time, but sometimes um, with certain types of traffickers. So I would say uh, when you're looking at um, organized crime, or if you're looking at like gangs, street gangs, um, they are oftentimes selling both. Uh, yeah, and um, human trafficking can often be a little more lucrative even than the drug mm -hmm. trade. So yeah, they well, can how go does, together. How does it work? Uh, how does the drug trade connect to human trafficking? <clears throat> like, uh, let's say you have a woman who is addicted to whatever, crack or meth or something like that. Does she become a vulner vulnerable to human trafficking because of her addiction? Absolutely. So there are a couple different scenarios. If somebody is already using drugs and uh, a trafficker offers drugs and then with controls that person by then withholding drugs. That can happen whether the person was using drugs prior to the trafficking experience or forced drug use is also very common. Um, so yeah, it's a way to gain control by withholding mm -hmm. that if they don't do what they say. Mm -hmm. And another facet of this, and this is something that we've talked about at Dragonfly, honestly, can you blame someone who is in a trafficking situation for using the only coping mechanism they have mm. to dissociate if they're denied food and water and there's no hope whatsoever, you kind of see like, what what reason is there to not use drugs anymore? Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, in that way it can be really linked. So, um, but we so Melissa, most of the people that come to you, is it through the law enforcement or, or government agency referrals or how do they come to you for help? Sometimes, um, sometimes we'll get referrals through law enforcement um, after like a sting operation. Sometimes, uh, actually the places where we get the most referrals are from other types of frontline service providers. So mm -hmm. medical professionals, super important for medical professionals to identify trafficking, um, but then people who are in other nonprofits. So they're serving people who are homeless. Um, domestic violence and sexual assault service partners are incredibly important partners for us. The trafficking, especially sex trafficking, sometimes labor trafficking will look sort of like a DV or SA situation, but also not quite because you've got this exchange of money involved that doesn't fit 
And so now those providers know to refer to us. Um, but then what's truly remarkable is the number of people who find us themselves. This is why we don't use the word rescue um, in anything we do. And in fact, law enforcement doesn't either. They use the term recovering someone out of a situation. But the people that we serve, their courage is truly remarkable. So they know that they know the consequences they will face if they try to escape trafficking and it doesn't work. Um, horrendous consequences, but they will figure out a way. They'll Google us. They'll call our number when it's safe for them. Um, and they will get themselves out of a situation. And then what's also remarkable is that people that we've served go and tell other people who are in a trafficking situation, you should call these guys because they can actually really help you like they helped me. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about missing children. Um, so we we also see a lot in the news uh, today and in our culture, something that, you know, um, you, you just didn't hear a lot about um, in past decades. And I'm not saying it didn't happen, but boy, it seems to be just through the roof, and that's uh, abduction of children. Um, are, are a lot of these children, and I don't know how to quantify the word a lot, but are, are some of these children, let's just put it that way, um, are they abducted for purposes of human trafficking? Well, are they abducted for the purposes of human trafficking? I guess I don't know specifically, but um, you know, we really have a lot of respect for the National Center for Missing and Endangered Children. That's another great resource to learn about this. Whether children who are missing and endangered were abducted for the purpose of trafficking, whatever the scenario was that caused them to be missing and endangered, they are now at this point very vulnerable to being trafficked. So um, if they're out on the streets for any reason, uh, a trafficker, I think Nick Mick has a statistic, I actually would trust their statistics and their research, it used to be that within 72 hours, a child on the streets uh, would be approached by a trafficker. That's the last one I heard. Um, so yeah, missing and endangered kids are in incredibly uh, vulnerable to sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. Well, so if, if uh, the police arrest someone, well, um, let, me, let me pause on that. Looks like we've got a caller on the line. I'm gonna go ahead and take this call. Melissa, uh, we've got James, who's a, a Truth and Liberty partner and graduate, actually, of Karis Bible College on the line. James, thanks for calling in today. What's your question? James? Blessing, but very enlightening. I'm just wondering what happens to people that are convicted? What are the consequences uh, for people that are engaged in trafficking? Yeah, very good question. I would say that is something that, that's an area of hope to a degree. It's not perfect and there's a lot of work to be done, but there are way more convictions of people who've committed trafficking now than there were when I first started, um, you know, 10 years ago. I don't have all of the sentencing possibilities memorized, um, but you see people who are put in prison for 20, 25 years um, if they're convicted multiple times, they can be in jail for longer than that. Most of the convictions I see wind up being federal convictions versus state convictions. And um, they've really bumped up the penalties for that. 
So um, thank you, James. We appreciate that question. So, so Melissa, what, um, what can people do? Um, well, what, what I'm trying to get at is um, you've talked about how these frontline workers and police and charities and other groups uh, are your main source of referrals. How, it, how can those folks get training on how to spot likely human trafficking or when it is that they need to give you guys a call? Well, I guess depending on your location, um, there might be training around you. Um, let's see. I actually weirdly happened to know that there was a conference in Colorado Springs um, just this last weekend um, by the Zonta International chapter there. Are you familiar with Zonta? Actually, I'm not, but thank you okay, for yeah, asking. Okay, <laughs> I haven't been either, but the Oklahoma chapter really supports us, and it brought me, it's like a women's service organization, and they did a training um, in Colorado Springs just this last Saturday. Um, so I would look around for things like that, look around to see if there's anyone who offers training, um, vet it, I would say, really by going to, let's say, like the Polaris Project website, and um, training yourself there and seeing if someone's training lines up with that rather than kind of regurgitating myths and misconceptions. That would be my advice. All right, so um, uh, what about this issue of, I wanna come back to um, the issue of the links between human trafficking and these other things in our culture. So, you know, here at Truth and Liberty, we're about Christians standing up to be a voice for truth in the culture. And we talk about abortion. We talk about uh, lot, lots of different things, you know, the rule of law and conservative principles in politics. And, and I think this human trafficking really is a great teaching point because it shows to me how all of these uh, these some of these issues that we face in our culture today, Melissa, they're not in a vacuum. Abortion is not in a vacuum. Illegal immigration is not in a vacuum. Drug abuse, drug use, legalization of marijuana. These things are not standalone issues. They all intersect and they all ultimately result in harm to people. Um, can, can you back that up? Am I right on that? Or, you know, it, it, it seems like that this is a great a window into how that becomes reality. Imagine if we didn't have legalized marijuana, if we didn't have legalized, or we, or we had actual enforcement, you know, against, or uh, against prostitution, we closed the border, if we, if we took more measures to prevent the influx of drugs into our country, how would all of that impact this suffering that is called human trafficking? Um, well, Something that we've talked about a lot at Dragonfly from the standpoint of being in Oklahoma is that human trafficking really is an issue that is fed by so many other cultural issues. So mm -hmm. fortunately in Oklahoma, you have, Oklahoma tends to fall at the bottom of good lists and, and a rise to the top of some tough lists. So very high incarceration rates, high levels of poverty, high levels of homelessness, um, low levels of, of opportunity and education, high levels of drug abuse. Um, and now with marijuana grows being here, um, you know, it seems like, I mean, that's pretty new, but it seems like we're hearing from law enforcement that that's also feeding, like we talked about earlier, feeding this issue. Um, and so I, what I like to tell people is, what cause is it that you are passionate about what mm -hmm. is God calling you to tackle? It doesn't have to necessarily be human trafficking specifically. 
if you have a heart for serving people who are trying to get free of drug addiction, then follow that. Mm -hmm. Because by doing so, you can help the cause of human trafficking as well. Um, are you passionate about mentoring children by becoming a safe adult to kids ages, you know, any age, really becoming a mentor, you can be a point of reduction of human trafficking. Um, that's what I would say. Wow. And what about what about this idea too, Melissa? Um, we, uh, some people say we have a crisis of fatherhood in America today, mm -hmm. um, where the majority of uh, uh, black children are born out of wedlock, um, where half of marriages end in divorce. Um, and you know, like I was, I've seen a statistic that, that shows that most of the, the people that commit mass shootings, for example, come from fatherless homes or, or homes where the father is abusive in some fashion. I'm wondering if there's a connection between the fatherless, the, the, the uh, epidemic of fatherlessness and human trafficking as well. If we had stronger marriages and stronger families in this country, what would that do for this problem? It's not something that I have specifically studied, so, but I feel like I can speak in terms of generalities about the impact of having safe adults. And so if that looks like fathers or father figures, if it looks like healthy parenting, um, of course, I mean, really, if traffickers are trying to exploit vulnerability and someone has a vulnerability because of, you know, um, a hard home life, because there is domestic violence happening there, because it is a single parent home and they've got a mom who is working day and night to provide, God bless that woman, right? But they are also maybe lacking in um, additional safe support, that kind of thing. Um, I can say that, yeah, that can definitely create a vulnerable situation that a trafficker can step in and exploit. So, um, we've got another caller on the line, Melissa. Let's go ahead and take this next caller, and it's uh, AJ from Colorado. AJ, thanks for calling. What's your question today, sir? Hey, Richard and hey. Melissa. I was wondering, are a lot of the young people who are posted as missing most likely caught in human trafficking? Hmm. I would say I can't speak to whether most of them are, but I think that there's they're extremely vulnerable to that kind of thing. Um, they would be vulnerable to, you know, like different stories that we've heard, for example, at Dragonfly um, about people who have found themselves in this situation. There was one young man that we served years ago um, who was on the streets and he had been kicked out of his house. And um, I don't recall the exact scenario, but it wasn't kicked out because of like, bad behavior. It was just a really tough situation. Um, and, and he, yeah, anyway, he was experiencing a lot of hardship in his home and he was just on the streets in Oklahoma city and a kindly older gentleman approached him and was like, what are you doing on the streets? Why are you out here? You know what? Um, I have a, at my house, I allow kids like you to come and you can, you could sleep there tonight. It'll be safe. It'll be warm. We've got food there. Why don't you come with me? Who's not going to take someone up on that offer when they're desperate? And so he went and there were other kids his age at that home. And so, you know, it's this 
moment of relief. Oh, I found someone who's going to help me. But that was not the end of that story. Then that man was like, well, now you owe me. And so he was essentially selling kids for sex. Um, and, and that was what his purpose was in having that home. It wasn't out of kindness. Um, so if you, and I will say this too, um, I think a lot of people don't realize that, um, you know, the amazing people who are operating like homeless shelters for, um, you know, kids or, or women who are doing incredible work, the Lord's work, um, unfortunately, sometimes traffickers will go in and recruit people there. You don't want to stay here. I have a way that you can make a bunch of money and you don't have to stay here at this shelter. So like, let's go, come with me. Mm. I've got a better situation for you. And so they go with them. So yeah, those are just a couple scenarios that come to mind. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, AJ, for your question. We've got another caller now, uh, Lori, who is also from Colorado. Uh, Lori, thanks for calling in. Um, what's your question for Melissa today? Good afternoon, Richard and Melissa. Uh, my question is for Melissa, and in regard to the movie The Sound of Freedom, it gave us a lot of hope by showing these children basically returning back to their lives as normal. And I can only imagine what you go through uh, in helping people who have been victims of human trafficking. And maybe you can kind of describe sort of a little bit about that process and how long it kind of takes on an average for people to uh, actually detransition and come back to a life of normalcy and how easy or hard that is. I know with Jesus, all things are possible. But uh, if you could explain that a little bit, uh, I would appreciate it. Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you so much for asking. I feel like this is what I always say. It really depends um, on each situation. I don't know if I can speak to what an average is, but I can I can give some examples. So um, so. I will say a unique facet of Dragonfly Services is that people who come to us don't have to be in imminent danger. They don't have to be fresh out of a trafficking situation. So we'll help some people who are, are truly fresh. They come to us directly out of a trafficking situation. We help some people who may have been out for a while and it's taken them a little while to find us. We have also served people though who are, let's say in their forties now, they learn about trafficking at like, uh, we've they learn about it at church and they realize that's what my mom did to me or that's what my college boyfriend did to me. Oh man, it was, it was sex trafficking, but I didn't have a word for it. I knew it wasn't right, but I didn't know what to call it. And they've gone on with their lives miraculously. So um, they're not in imminent danger, but all of that then gets freshly dredged up and then they can come to us as well and get really specific. Usually for that, it's like a trauma-focused therapy. So we're really all about meeting people wherever they're at. Um, I will say a typical story though is um, somebody moving from like a crisis to stabilization. Here's an example of how that can look. And it's it's subtle. We're all about also celebrating the daily victories at Dragonfly. So somebody who, um, people like clients of ours can call our hotline overnight if they're having trouble, if they're having like an emotional spiral, 
if they are consumed by intrusive thoughts or just whatever is going on. So let's say someone who is fresh at Dragonfly, fresh out of trafficking, they're calling our hotline or they're speaking to their advocate multiple times a day, every single day, because they need that level of support. And then after, after some time, um, now they're calling maybe like three or four times a week. Um, and then after some time, they're calling like, a few times a month and they're going to their case management sessions and they're getting services and and you start to see the fruit of of that process and they get to a point where one person that we helped recently was really struggling with mental health and she desperately wanted to get a job and and build this new life but so severe were her mental health struggles due to the trauma of trafficking that it was extraordinarily difficult for her to hold down a job. Came to Dragonfly, got some trauma-focused therapy, and after even just a few sessions of specialized therapy, it seemed like all of a sudden that was within her grasp. She got another job and continued with us and then stayed at that job. And that's how hope is built um, step after step. Those are just a couple examples I could think of. So so a couple, maybe we have time to, to squeeze in a couple more questions, Melissa. I want to ask, um, what are some misconceptions that people often have about this subject and how can we clear those up? Well, I... I really appreciate that you've talked about how people can be U.S. citizens or from other countries. We know that um, not everyone is being kidnapped into this. So we've it's been a, an amazing opportunity to dispel some misconceptions just throughout this conversation. Um, something I would like to draw people's attention to, I mentioned how on social media, you never know whether the information you're getting about this is good or not. Um, I wonder if anybody here has been like on Facebook and or something else and seen a post about person who is in like a Walmart or Target parking lot, some big box retailer parking lot. And they're like, someone followed me to my car and they're going to kidnap to try and kidnap me to put me in sex trafficking. Um, so here's what I would say to that. And then it gets shared. Right. And then people are like, oh, that's what trafficking is. Somebody getting kidnapped randomly out of a parking lot. OK, um, if that's all we think it looks like, we're missing the person uh, over here on social media or on a dating app trying to find, mm -hmm. you know, a life partner. And traffickers are using those apps to build a relationship with someone and gain their trust. But we're not looking over here. All it does is help traffickers. If we think that trafficking only looks like getting abducted out of a parking lot and then everyone shares it and it's not counterbalanced by good information. So what we've heard about law, what we've heard from law enforcement here is that kind of thing just really isn't happening. But if there's someone following you around a parking lot, I mean, you call 911, you will be aware of your surroundings, you, tell the security, absolutely. But I would suggest really not sharing social media posts about it um, because that's probably not what that was. Instead, find good information about trafficking and share that on your social media. I, I, call, so, I call human trafficking the first um, cause that was really affected by social media. People started talking about trafficking just about when Facebook came around. 
So that's a really important one, I would say. And um, so we talked a little bit earlier about what some of the, the red flags are, but if, if, you, if someone out there believes that someone they know or have met or encountered could be the victim of trafficking, what should they do about it? You said don't 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 try to rescue them, but what do they do? Do they call the police? Do they call human services? Do they call you guys? Who? Do, what do they do? Okay, so um, I would say in a scenario where like you personally know this person, um, uh, then I would say calling a hotline, calling a national human trafficking hotline, a local one. You can call Dragonfly, and you can discuss um, what you're seeing and maybe get like some advice about what to do. Um, if it's if it's somebody that you know, boy, it's so frustrating because if it's a parent trafficking a child, you know, I would say, yeah, what are your local um, organizations here? We would call like Department of Human Services, DHS, you know, find, do some research. What are, there are a lot of resources available that before I got involved in this, I never knew about. So dig into what your state and local resources are. And if you don't know, call, call your, call like, you know, your county will have some kind of health department. Um, they will have some kind of services department. If you're a member of a tribe, call that tribes have services like that and find out and then make sure that you've got that information at your fingertips. A few years ago, I had a neighbor who was in a domestic violence situation. I could hear it. I called the cops and I had the local um, YWCA here in Oklahoma City. I had their number in my phone and I had a chance meeting with her in the driveway. And I said, here's a number that you can call. I had, I had 20 seconds with this person mm. and I had that at my fingertips. That's what you got to do. Mm. Know the resources. Yeah. All right. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for your uh, information. Thank you so much for the work you're doing there at Dragonfly. We really do appreciate it. Appreciate you coming on the show today. And uh, I just want to put up your website one more time if we can. I know we just put up the, uh, the national hotline number, uh, but um, if we could put up the Dragonfly website one more time for folks to, to get that. Yeah, it's dra thedragonflyhome.org. Guys, uh, check that out online. Uh, consider uh, possibly even supporting them financially. I'm sure it would go to good use to help uh, the victims of this terrible thing. And uh, also the hotline number, if we could put that up one more time, folks. If you need it or you know someone who you suspect might be the victim of trafficking uh, or you uh, just want to learn more about it, uh, whatever the case may be, please take advantage of this information. And uh, um, I, I just want to take... Um, one minute now at the close of our broadcast um, to switch topics on you, Melissa, and, and you're, you may just be a spectator here for just a second, but okay. um, I want us all, uh, everybody who's watching the show today, just to, if you would like to, uh, to join me in praying for the nation of Israel today uh, as the 
uh, the nation of Israel was attacked by hundreds of terrorists um, a couple days ago, Hamas terrorists. Uh, the, the numbers are skyrocketing for the number of people killed, um, both uh, Israelis and Palestinians. <clears throat> and uh, we know that Israel is the apple of God's eye and that he is not done with that nation. And uh, I just want to ask you to join with me right now and just take a few seconds to pray for Israel. Will you do that? Lord, we just lift up the nation of Israel today, all of the uh, people that live in Israel, Father, both Jews and Arabs today. And we ask, Father, for your protection for them, that you would uh, lay your hand upon them, God, and, and bring this violence to a close. I pray you would give Israel uh, wisdom, uh, strategies from heaven on how to fight this scourge. I pray you would bring peace back to the nation. And Father God, that your purposes and plans uh, would be accomplished in Israel and in the lives of all the Palestinians. We pray against the spirit of hate, the lies and deception of the false religion of Islam that are poisoning the hearts and minds of millions of people. We pray that the light of the gospel would fill their minds, that that workers and evangelists and people carrying the true gospel of Jesus Christ would be able to get access to them and that you would give them the courage and resources that they need, God. And uh, we pray that people in the land of Israel would be saved and brought to their true Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that, Lord. We give you the praise for it and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, thank you so much for watching. We are two minutes early, but I'm going to go ahead and adjourn our show for today. And once again, thank you to Melissa Ike for coming on and explaining this whole thing to us. And I believe that this is going to make a difference. Be sure to check out their website and to call that toll-free number if you need it. And uh, God bless you guys uh, for watching. And thank you, Melissa. We will look thank forward so to uh, working with you in the future. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.